My name is uh, Ruggero uh, Scaturro. I am a senior analyst for the Global Initiative uh, Against uh, uh, Transnational Organized Crime. And it is my honor uh, to moderate this session titled uh, How to Build an Anti-Mafia Association of South Italy, Methods, Difficulties and Successes. We're going to hear uh, from the uh, representatives of uh, Mafia uh, Nein Danke. Uh, for those who, does, who don't speak uh, German, it means Mafia. No, uh, Tanks is a movement that was created in Germany after uh, the so-called Duisburg massacre in August 2007 uh, as a result of a, a feud of a, of a feud between two clans of Andrangheta where, uh, sect, where six um, uh, members of, uh, of one of the, of the clan were, were brutally killed. I won't take too much time because there is a lot that has to be discussed by, by our panelists. We're going to give us uh, an overview of not only why uh, it is important to have a grassroots uh, movement addressing uh, mafia-related issues, organized crime-related issues outside the region of origins of specific organized crime groups, but also more importantly, how uh, this association uh, uh, associations uh, works and, uh, and, and what are the challenges also posed to their development and, uh, and success. Uh, before uh, introducing the, the panelists, though, I would just need a very few uh, minutes just for uh, housekeeping rules. This session will last 75 uh, minutes, and uh, we really have to stick to, to, to this timing. Um, we will certainly leave uh, time at the end of, of the session for Q&A. But I invite uh, everybody in, uh, in, the, in the audience to write questions in, in, the, in the chat box. We will try to address as many as possible at the end uh, of the session, but also, of course, we're relevant during the, the panelists' um, contributions. Uh, panelists are also going to very likely also address uh, questions and comments uh, in written form in the Q&A uh, dedicated uh, section. And this is uh, to keep the, 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 this session as interactive as possible. This being said, uh, let me introduce you to our uh, speakers today. I will introduce them in chronological also order, although uh, the, 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 the panelists are going to um, alternate their, their contributions. So starting with uh, Sandro Mattioli, uh, after a few years uh, spent as freelance journalist covering Italian mafia in 2012, Sandro moved to Germany to focus on international organized crime groups activities in Germany and also became president of Mafia Nein Danke. Since uh, then, uh, he authored and published several investigations that were picked up by also national media, particularly uh, focusing on the activities of the Indrangheta. He also uh, serves as an expert for national uh, media. Uh, when there have been police operations, for example, on international organization or organized crime groups in, in Germany, and also uh, functions as a consultant for TV and other media productions. Uh, last year, he also had his little share in a great production by Vice News, Mafia Land, uh, that was also nominated for three uh, Emmy Awards. And so congratulations also on, on that. Elena uh, Raspet, uh, deputy uh, chairwoman at the German anti-mafia uh, NGO, uh, Mafia Nendanke. She is a political uh, science graduate with a master's degree in Latin American studies. And currently she's working as a policy advisor in the field of human rights and foreign uh, policy in Berlin. And she's been active in the German anti-mafia sphere field as a journalist and activist, uh, activist for over uh, five years. Moving uh, to Giulia Norberti, uh, she's been supporting the association since uh, 2014 mostly on a voluntary basis. In these years, she's been coordinating many activities, including the implementation of EU-funded uh, projects and the engagement with European network chance. In parallel, she also works with the German NGO Open Knowledge Foundation Deutschland, and she holds a Master of Arts in Strategic Sciences at the University of Turin, and is also currently doing a postgraduate master on organized crime and corruption at the University of, uh, of Pisa. Uh, last but not least, uh, Ludovica Wölting is a German-Italian lawyer with a second master in transnational crime and justice. Uh, she is active in the anti-mafia volunteer world, so to say, since she's been uh, since she's uh, 17 years old. Her engagement started with Libera in a summer volunteering camp near Milan, and in 2019 she joined Mafia Nendanke and started uh, the regional group of North Rhine-Westphalia. And right now she's working in Berlin, and, and she's part of the board of uh, of, of Mafia Nendanke. Um, so thank you very much for being here. Uh, it's going to be an incredible um, contribution for this association. We're really looking forward to, um, to, to hearing from you. So I would 
immediately uh, open the floor with um, with uh, with Sandro with the first question. And please, of course, feel free to also definitely go beyond uh, the specific answer to this question. So, uh, which would be how uh, basically to do uh, anti-mafia in a country mm -hmm. like Germany, uh, where the general understanding, in at least in the public debate, is mafia and mafias are probably present, but uh, but uh, invisible nonetheless, except, except for specific and isolated cases that make it to basically international media, such as the Duisburg uh, massacre. Yeah, uh, thank you. Thanks for introducing all of us. Um, first, I, I'd like to stress out an experience, I guess we all had, like we all here present for Mafia 9 Danke, and that is like, if you talk with people about what you are doing, like you're part of an NGO, then we say like, oh, you're part of Mafia 9 Danke. And mostly people laugh. That's the, the first reaction they have, because that's somehow very strange for them that in Germany, someone engages against the Mafia. So, and that makes you maybe just gives you a little bit of understanding which situation we are. And it's, it's, almost um, a paradox because when in 2007 our organization was born like the very first members came together mafia was a lot in media everyone spoke about it because there has been this this murderer which you mentioned before so um and today like we observe the opposite like it's not that in media there's so much reporting on it it's not that people are conscious about mafia presences in germany and let alone about mafia activism, anti-mafia activism. So we are kind of in a somehow complicated situation, but also somehow we have like a privileged position because we are the ones doing anti-mafia here in Germany. Our association today has like 190 members, something like that. I don't know the exact numbers, but um, and we are like spread all over Germany with some regional strongholds where there's like regional groups and there, where there are a lot of members. So what is the situation we were facing in 2007? The fact is that there hasn't been a lot of change since then. So that means like the legal situation is that we have a paragraph which is um, offering fines for being part of a criminal organization, but in terms of in Italian organized crime groups, that is not very much applicated. There was recently one case and it was as far as I'm informed, the first case where people were persecuted just for being a member of an Italian criminal organization, Italian mafia group. So that's kind of strange because in Italy, it's a very basic thing of um, persecuting mafia groups. In Germany, it's not. So that's the legal situation, which has also consequences for media reporting. Like if you don't persecute the membership in a mafia organization, you also don't have like official members of a mafia organization. So still today, we know a lot of people by name which are members of mafia organizations. But you can say like, this is a mafioso because the people can um, like persecute you for this because it's a defamation if you say someone is part of the mafia. So you can't officially prove that someone is part of the mafia. But if you say about a person that he is or she, but mostly it's he is a member of a mafia group, they can sue you. So that's a very toxic situation for journalists and also for us. And it has like larger consequences. It's very difficult if you don't have reporting on the mafia phenomena to have like scientists looking at it. For, for sure, there was like, for example, a very good work by a professor in, in Tübingen on the legal framework um, for the persecution of Italian organized crime and um, organized crime. But on an empirical basis, we almost have nothing. There was the, the work of Zora Hauser, who still is not published, but that's like among the first works, which is like going into detail in, in terms of presences of Italian organized crime groups. I still don't know what will be inside the, her, her um, book, but we will see. And also there's another thing which makes life for us kind of complicated, and that's the organized organization itself, like the Italian organized crime groups. They're not acting as they are doing in Italy. They are mostly trying to stay away from like bloodshedding and, and stuff. So um, their profile of actions is much um, less 
is causing much less attention than it does in Italy. So, for example, we had a political inquiry and were asking the German government how many murderers have been committed in Germany by Italian organized crime groups and members of Italian organized crime. And it turned out that there's no statistics, like even for beats like this, which are very like tangible, like touchable, even there, there was no statistics. So compared to Italy, we have like not a collective memory of mafia activities. We have no information on what they are doing. But the question is like, is there still need for acting? And as we, as uh, like somehow in uh, an organization which is rooted in like in which has many people with an Italian, half Italian background, we have a double perspective. So we see like looking at Italian information, which is on activities in Germany, we see that there's a lot of need for an anti-mafia movement. And so we try to find our own way because what we knew about Italy in Italy there are a lot of anti-mafia groups like their students against the mafia they're like um, groups that are against protection money they are groups that work on confiscated assets on confiscated lands by mafia uh, all this like there's a social movement like every year on 21st of March there's a, a big march in, in a lot of Italian cities where people come together to commemorate the um, uh, victims, the, the um, innocent victims of organized crime groups. We don't have all this in Germany. So what a lesson was that we had to, had to learn is we have to adapt our anti-mafia activities to our local context. That means like the, the recipes for doing anti-mafia, which we got from Italy, were not functioning in in germany they were functioning at the beginning when the uh, first mafia nine danke members that came directly out of an italian background were active here but it lost like speed on the way like after five years the group was pretty exhausted because what they were mostly doing is like organizing cultural events for like people who are rooted in an Italian background or in Italian families. And they were, what can I say, like a, having a, like at the very first beginning, they were like protesting against protection money. They were protecting restaurants that were like asked to pay protection money. So they were very active, but this was only for a few months and then they needed to adapt another strategy. And that's when it got complicated because they did not manage to move in a German context. And so like in 2012, maybe around that time, we started to have our own investigations and to, to build knowledge inside the organization. Because back then, that wasn't the case. Like either you, you knew something about Italian organized crime or not, but it did not, like there was no activity in, in the organization itself that much. So we started to focus a bit more on investigating and on, on data. And the funny thing is like at the very first start, there was a newsletter which was done by an Italian guy who was living for quite some years in Germany. So his German was very Italian and he was sending this newsletter. And it actually it was a newsletter which was only like linking to certain articles, but it was very nicely done because it was done in a, in a like in an immigrant workers uh, italian german mix of of language so it was really nice but it did not look like really professional but at least it did its job and people read about um, mafia topics so we started then to use this instrument of a newsletter in order to do investigations and spread them via via this newsletter and also put the 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 articles we were writing and we were working on the analysis on our webpage. So that was like somehow the start maybe of becoming an NGO in the more modern profile, I would say. So we were collecting data. We were um, also analyzing what is happening in terms of policy making, in term terms of legal frameworks. We were getting more into touch with politicians and we will talk about this later more for sure but so that was the very basic start so the lesson that we had to learn the second lesson was that if you want to have an impact in your country you have to know what's going on in your country because for sure you can report on italian activities from italian organized crime groups in italy 
but you won't have a political impact. So that was a pretty hard lesson to learn for us because there's not like there wasn't a lot of things where you can base on like there were some books written by authors and there were some articles but it, it was not very common to report on actual activities of Italian mafiosi in in Germany so we need to find our data for example what we are doing now is we translate the reports of the DIA which is like a police agency where several police groups are organized and they have like a biannual report. So we translate that part on Germany and put it on our website. And so also our members who don't speak Italian can read it. So that's maybe for, for now, like my, my blog or what, what I wanted to stress out. Thank you very much, Sandro. We will definitely get back to you um, soon. Uh, let's move to Julia now. Um, organized crime groups are nowadays especially a transnational challenge that of course require transnational answers and networks. So networks to counter networks is also our GI in a way uh, motto. In your introduction, uh, I spoke about your specific activities, uh, including the implementation of EU projects and the engagement with European network chance. Can you tell us more uh, about that and more broadly in general, why and how we can build an international network? Yes, thank you very much. Um, what I can say is that since I arrived to Mafia Dank in 2014, this international approach was already there because adding to what Sandra already said, of course, this uh, topic of Mafia abroad outside their traditional areas, uh, it's not just relevant for Germany, but it's relevant for many other countries. Uh, we all know that mafia work uh, with transnational networks uh, on a transnational basis. And of course, then the idea was that also anti-mafia should go transnational. Um, this is, of course, uh, it's a big challenge because um, it added up a lot of complexity, especially if we want to um, keep a contact with the phenomena itself. Uh, it becomes really, really complicated to understand uh, what are we actually talking about? Uh, but still, there is um, there has been different attempts to address this this issue. Uh, for already since two thousand eight, uh, there was a network called Flair that then was not very successful. And uh, in two thousand fifteen sixteen, we tried to rebuild uh, these these European networks, starting from the input of uh, the, the the Italian. Uh, anti-mafia movement called Libera. And in 2016, we found uh, um, a nucleus of, of association, especially with uh, Demand Libre in France, uh, Mafia Danke and Ein Event in Germany, Basta in Belgium, Fiadis in Spain, and other informal groups from Switzerland, from United Kingdom, from Malta, that then added up to many other uh, activists and, and association from now kind of more all over all over Europe and we we created this informal and horizontal network that it's called Chance Civil Hub Against Organized Crime in Europe and the idea of having an informal network is to um yeah bring together different people different organizations that are focusing on these topics and try to exchange best practices and try to activate civil society and try to yeah work together um, to reach different different goals. Um, we exchange a lot of um, ideas and best practices in the field of education, in the field of advocacy, uh, in the field of justice. Um, and we try uh, to work together, especially um, to reach an impact at EU level. Um, one of the, let's say, the, the, the political agenda of the network was launched in 2019, uh, in Brussels in front of the European Parliament and we will be there again in December, uh, at the beginning of December this year to talk about our manifesto and try to start our advocacy action uh, for the next European election of next year. Um, and it's not such an easy um, network to carry on because as we have seen before, it's very complicated to get enough information for us about Germany. And we can imagine if we bring together uh, all different countries from Europe, uh, try to analyze and, and the situation and 
find also political message that can work um, in all countries and that can be uh, brought on from, from different organizations. It's of course a, a big challenge, uh, but it's also very interesting. And in a way, um, we believe it's really a, a core uh, issue that where we should still continue investing energies because um, otherwise we cannot have an impact at EU level. And we have seen that also in Germany, a lot of improvement from the legislation and legislative perspective and so on came actually then from uh, EU directives and from the input of the of Europe. Um, what we also do is uh, to develop together European projects and different international projects, um, bringing together our expertise and trying to um, yeah, build up on on the different competencies that that we that we bring in this in this network. And a particular impact was reached by the topic of social use of confiscated assets that in Germany is still not exactly developed and successful, but in other countries, luckily, there are already outside of Italy some really interesting uh, examples of uh, com- re- social use of confiscated assets in France uh, quite recently. Um, in Spain already and also outside of the European Union, for example, in Albania, there are some really interesting cases. Um, and of course, it's a, it's a long way to go and we have a lot of challenges at, at, in this European network, but it's also a very interesting uh, process that we are taking. And as a motion in Danke, we are, let's say, active member in this network and hope that we will uh, reach more and more impact. And the contact in case someone is interested to have a look at this network is chance.international. Just if you want to uh, get some more insights about uh, the activities. And yeah, as of course, uh, as Mafia and Nanke, we are not only interested in, in advocacy at EU level, but also to have a political impact at the national level, I guess I will leave the floor to Helena. This is indeed a a great uh, assist because, uh, of course, one of the, uh, one aspect of the the work of of, of the anti-mafia, so to say, apparatus is definitely addressing it on on the ground at the non-governmental level, but then moving uh, moving to to, to Helena's contribution now, so also drawing from your expertise in general in policy uh, advice. Uh, One thing I said is addressing the issue on the ground at the grassroots level, and another one is make it a, a national issue. So basically, how can a movement, and in this case, the anti-mafia work, become politically also relevant? Yes, thank you so much. Um, that is the big question. That's the big challenge that we have to face. Um, maybe I will speak about the basis for this kind of advocacy work first, um, which is you need a common vision as an association. So we got, got together as board members this year and developed a five-year plan and um, formulated like a a vision, like a mission statement, um, which makes sense also to write down uh, in form of rules of procedure maybe, or in your statutes, or maybe you have a who are we page on your homepage. And for us, we said that in five years, we want people in Germany, so a broader audience, a broader public to understand that mafia is a danger to themselves, to their own lives. It affects uh, their personal lives. And also that they understand it as a wider system of injustice. Um, And also we want to um, increase political actions and have changes in the law, to see changes in the law that have weakened mafia structures. So this is our vision. This is our common goal. And this is really important for us because uh, most of us do voluntary work. So our why, why are we in this fight? Why are we dedicating our few spare hours to this uh, topic? It's really important for us that we share a common motivation and um, that is what keeps us going. Um, yes, yeah, so maybe it's it's really important for all your members of your association to understand which policy gaps you want to fill and why it's important that society and politics change. I would say that is the first step, the first basis uh, to even starting your advocacy work. And then secondly, you can formulate a strategy based on this um, vision and create specific focus areas um, that you have specific experts to work on. So for us, um, we have five focus areas, which you will also find on our website, which are Italian mafia in Germany, um, which is what Sandro was was already explaining. Money laundering is also a big topic for us um, and other types of financial crimes, um, agro mafia, so um, mafias in the agricultural sector, um, drugs, so the transnational fight against drugs and um, 
creating new drug policies. And also a big part of our work has always been anti-mafia or um, memory culture, which is very relevant in, in Italy as well. Um, so this allows us to work in a more structured way and to develop specific concrete goals and milestones that we want to reach. And it is, it's really helpful to have clear responsibilities and also very easy direct lines of communication. And also for us, we have regular meetings with democratic um, exchange formats that are also really helpful to us um, and to include everyone, uh, keep everyone informed in the association. Um, so I think what you said before today is really relevant that there are two um, levels on which you can operate. So one is the building movement from below and the other one is um, concrete policy advocacy work. So you have to think about every issue and tackle it from both sides and try to understand which types of action would be helpful to achieve one goal or the other. Um, so do you do you want to reach a wider audience with one specific topic or do you want to change a specific law that maybe is not necessary that the entire country or population understands, but is really relevant for the fight against mafia? So maybe um, one example for how we want to create movement is, for example, a big anti-mafia seminar that we are organizing in Cologne on the 18th of um, November, so exactly one month. Uh, if you speak German, <laughs> you can already buy tickets for that on our website. And there, for example, the strategy has been to invite um, politicians, but also people from police or the justice system, but also journalists and activists. And so connect people from all these different spheres so, so that you have different points of contact um, that you can use to um, create um, more awareness about our, our issues that we're dealing with. Um, but um, you asked me about the policy work, so maybe I will focus on that now for, uh, for the last part. Um, how can we influence specific policymakers? Um, uh, maybe one thing that I forgot is also sometimes there are actors in a field that you tend to forget. For example, in our case, uh, the Catholic Church is also a relevant actor that we um, address sometimes. Um, as you know, in Italy, there are a lot of famous anti-mafia priests um, that have done important work on this issue. Um, but also the German church is starting to become more aware of this problem and um, dealing with it in the um, Episcopal Conference. However, um, I think if you uh, you have a specific issue, it's, it's really helpful if you first map out all the actors that are relevant in your field and that you could uh, want to cooperate with, and then also prioritize who you want to contact for which issue. Um, maybe if it's a very pressing, uh, very urgent, and very like an issue of maybe national importance, you contact very high-ranking level uh, officials, maybe for... Um, for other types of issues, it's more helpful to cooperate with the teams uh, of someone, um, of a policymaker, because sometimes um, working, it's more productive and goal-oriented because the substantive work is not always done by the by the policymakers themselves, but by huge teams that they have behind them. Um, it's also when you make a request to have uh, personal talks with someone, of course, it's more efficient to talk in person than to only have uh, email exchanges or only digital exchanges, because it's really relevant also the being able to explain everything in confidence um, and gaining trust um, from someone. Of course, it's relevant when you make a request that you have a professional appearance, um, whether that be homepage or social media, and that you also leave your contact information so that someone can investigate you and find out um, if you're trustworthy. And lastly, um, it's very important to think about which arguments to use for which political actor and for which goals. Maybe for every conversation or every political talk that you have, Focus on specific political demands that you want to make. Don't talk about the entire issue and lose track of what, what's important, but prioritize. And also really tell the actor what they specifically can do and also offer them a political framework that they can work with. And um, so if they come, for example, from the climate movement, maybe um, focus your um your advocacy work on a climate-related issue, um, for example, toxic waste disposal or mafia investments in renewable energies, or that could be a, a, a good example. Um, and also investigate uh, the, the biography of this person for that specific reason, so that you know who you're talking with and how you can best convince this person. Um, so depending on who you're talking to, sometimes um, it's more effective to um, formulate really easy, really clear, simple messages. Sometimes you need to take a more academic, more technical approach, but it's definitely worth it to have like a different elevator pitch for, for every actor that you talk to. Um, so, um, yeah, one example that Sandra already mentioned um, is the instrument of um, 
parliamentary requests, I would call them, parliamentary questions that the opposition, uh, the parliamentary opposition in Germany can ask to the government. So this way we can um, have access public information about a specific issue. And we did that, for example, uh, we helped out uh, with expertise uh, in the case of uh, a question about agro-mafias. Um, and that was through a Green Party representative that was also pro-migration. And that really helped us because we could access um, this topic by speaking to someone who was um, interested in, for example, refugees being enslaved in the in the fields, uh, Italian fields in the agricultural sector. Um, so that has been one successful example of how we, we applied this method. Um, and then maybe as a last little point, um, social media um, plays a very big role, I think, for uh, especially nowadays, but for any association, it's really worth uh, professionalizing in that field. We're also still working on that. Um, unfortunately, we still don't have institutional funding, but once we do, we can grow even more in this area. Um, it's very useful to respond quickly to debates on what used to be Twitter. <laughs> Um, or, for example, on Instagram, uh, we like to share videos, also pictures. Uh, having specific campaigns is really helpful. For example, we already mentioned the Day of Remembrance for the Innocent Victims of the Mafias. Um, we had a campaign where we all uh, filmed videos of ourselves and explained why this day is so important to us and what memory culture means to us. And that way, people who are following us or who maybe in Germany don't know much about this context can feel more personally and more emotionally connected um, to this topic. Yeah, so these are my contributions to that question. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, let's finish this first round uh, with, uh, with Ludovica. Um, so Ludovica, at uh, Mafia and Danke, you started uh, the regional group of North Rhine-Westphalia. Um, can you please drive us through a little bit about the, through the extension of, 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 of the network as such? So in a federal country, because people, when, when people think about Germany, they probably don't really realize about the many different regions, uh, that, uh, that form, uh, the federal state. Uh, and of course to each region correspond different, uh, to each region correspond different dynamics and also how basically the, the organized crime manifests. Um, so the question is how has the network adapted to, to the regionality of, of Germany? also why, in other terms, it is important to factor in the regional uh, dimension in the work that you do. Thank you very much, Ruggiero. Good evening, everyone. So the word that we heard a lot to do tonight already a couple of times is impacts. And if as an association really have to want to give an impact, to have an impact around all the country, you cannot just act in one city or in one place. Otherwise, no one will know you, especially in a big country as Germany. And um, so spreading around in regional groups is an asset that cannot uh, cannot not be there. And as you said already, Ruggiero, it's especially important, I think, in countries as Germany, where there is such a big difference between regions, politically, socially, and even uh, to be there where even in Germany, there's maybe more spreading of organized crime, like in, in regions like Northern Westphalia, like in Baden-Württemberg, where we have a lot of organized crime groups acting. So it's really important to be in all the streets and presence because what is the most important thing for, for mafia, the territorial aspects of the organization. So to be present in a, in, a, in a nation, in a country, in a region. So it should be the same for the anti-mafia to be present in the territory where the groups act. And this should be the same for us in this way. So. Uh, our first expansion, if I can say so, at Mafia and Danke was with the Mafia and Danke group of Munich in Bayern. Um, and then the second group, Northern Westphalia, came, which I was like, uh, I collaborated in, uh, in organizing it and putting it up. And um, I really wanted to give a best practice view because maybe some of you that are here uh, want to build a regional group or want to build a group of mafia, of anti-mafia and don't really know how to start. And actually the start is the most difficult thing. It's very difficult to get it started and to get motivated people win and start it, especially if you maybe don't know even the person really that are in the association. For example, for me, it was like this. I didn't really know the person that we were in Berlin, many kilometers away. So starting the group is really important and it would be best not to be alone. A bunch of motivated people would be best. I think minimum three, it's the perfect number. And 
to have a to have a vision like what do you want to achieve with your first action with your first impact in the region where probably no one knows you where many of the people that i talked about mafia really answered me mafia it just exists in italy and it's really like this this was the first uh, answers i received 2019 when i arrived in cologne even talking with normal students my age so what you want to achieve so when you are when you have this group you have really to decide what your impact should be and i really think that in for your first event if you want to contribute an event which i think is a good idea because you want to get an audience to talk to people to get to know people to build a network you should keep it in your comfort zone at the beginning don't push it too far so stay in a topic where you feel comfortable in uh, don't try to like get into the most complex issues of organized crime already as your first event but keep it simple uh, go directly to what people want to hear for example we did a, a normal uh, event on what is mafia and then focusing on what is mafia in germany so um and try to stay in your comfort zone we are we are a group in northern westera they started in uni university i think university is a perfect setting where to start you can easily book a room for example much more easy than other parts and um, as a student you are you, you are more comfortable inside of the university setting and then begin your first project this which has to be very structured very organized you really are representing already your association you want to show that you're professional that you can be seen as a person that can talk about this topic especially when it comes in topics of organized crime which is really complex in certain issues and many now tend to uh, talk about this topic uh, recently even more and more around in Germany but you really want to be professional because you're standing for an association and you want to raise awareness on this topic and um, um, after this very important after your project is maybe at the end or the event finishes there's where your original group has to start this was the beginning probably after the event you raised awareness had makes make you you were able to make a network were able to new to know people but then it doesn't have to finish there you have to keep it keep it up in the coming uh, months and years use the network you created use the person that you met and try to make uh, every month a meeting with your team now these are very practical uh, things now that i'm telling you but actually these are things that show the how we see our impact even every day as an association network is fundamental if you make if you do something you if you do an event like the one event we are planning now in november you just don't do it for this one event you even do you even do it for creating a bigger thing around you that is then um seeing you as a as an association that can talk about organized crime in germany you are seeing as an actor this re reliable and professional in this thing so this is important to create the network and to take care of the network so my um recommendation for the regional group setting if you then want to start into something like this is to take it's a very simple like sentence to take care of your regional group take care of the network but it's a lot of work keep being motivated keep the passion going especially when you're just a volunteer and just volunteers around you this is what really thrives then the association which what goes then and what will bring the association uh, further on so this was my practical guide for regional groups but feel free to um, to contact me even if you want some uh, tips uh, or you have some other questions exactly i'm here to answer it we do in fact have already a question uh we can given that of, of we have already uh reached the first round of contributions for for all the panelists uh it's up to you we have a question now we can either we can address it now or we can uh, we can uh, we can also uh, leave it for for the for after the second round of contribution uh, we have seen that it's probably somehow included in what Helena wanted them to approach exactly. so we can probably then move it to that part all right so Julia don't mute yourself I'm gonna stay with you a little bit <laughs> um we have heard the word youth students youngsters many many times already in this 45 uh, minutes already so my question to you is how do we empower youth? This it's, it's a very simple question, actually. But what does it mean in practice? How can we activate youth 
practically and proactively in the anti-mafia discourse and not only in anti-mafia but also in the broader uh, anti-organized crime and anti-corruption as well discourse? Yes, this is a good question that we ask ourselves many times and we are actually trying to find some answers to this question. Um, the main thing is to, um, like, we have seen in Italy there are a lot of uh, educational projects and educational programs that uh, approach uh, these topics and uh, you have a lot of films and you have a lot of um, material that you can use to, to tackle these topics with, with youngsters. But um, when you move abroad outside of Italy and you are in a different context, in a different cultural context, um, these pose, of course, a challenge because you can't just take those messages and bring them to another country and hope that they will work in the same way because you, you have a completely different um, background um, that you have to consider. And you can't just start talking about mafias uh, because then you will have to face first all the stereotypes and all you have to make a really big introduction in order to arrive to the core topic that you really want to reach. And this is a, a, an issue that we, we realized quite quickly also in our international network, that there is a lack of educational materials um, approaching these topics in a, in a way that uh, is not related to the context. And so we, we tried to put some, some ideas together and taking from different best practices, uh, we developed a project that it's called UMonitor, um, that, um, is, uh, aiming at empowering youth building monitorial communities for monitoring the common goods. What does it mean? The idea is of the project is to start um, understanding the, uh, like, how can you monitor yourself? and monitor in a way, uh, understanding in which power relations you are, what is power uh, in the first place. And these from the perspective of a young person. So understanding that, for example, um, if you receive the, the keys of your apartment from your parents when they leave, this is already a moment where you get your first delegated power because you have the power of the keys that can seem like something very small, but you can actually uh, use this power or abuse it in a, in a very bad way if you do not uh, follow the rules or if you do not uh, follow an ethical approach uh, with managing this power. And starting with these very simple examples, the idea is to make young people understand in which situation there are relations of power and in which position they find themselves in these in this, uh, relations. And from these understanding, how can be uh, then a situation of interest, conflict of interest or abuse of power and then understanding corruption and taking this way um, from very practical things and, and like interactive uh, um, plays and, and activities, um, arriving to the idea that, okay, if I understand corruption, I can um, monitor myself. Now I can learn the tools to monitor the common good. So what is com common good and um, what are the tools available to society to do this action of monitoring and how can I do it together with others? Um, so we try to take this, this way um, to lead um, every kind of group of young people to observe in which situation they are, observe their, uh, their areas, observe what is happening in their neighborhood and uh, use, for example, access to information tools, so FOIA requests and uh, data analysis and then campaignings and all these other kind of things that are possible uh, in each context um, in order to do these uh, monitoring actions. Uh, this toolkit has been developed in four languages or is a project that already um, is completed and it's online on our website. It's called UMonitor. And uh, now we are following up on this project and developing um, digital tools. So we are developing some escape games and a general digital tool to, to try to um, make it available also in the, for different contexts and virtual uh, activities. Um, and of course, there is this challenge of bringing together these topics that are kind of uh, very complex and could be very boring for young people uh, and make it understandable. And in order to do so, we, we brought together 
anti-corruption and anti-mafia activist together with uh, people working with youth, so expert in pedagogy and uh, non-formal education, um, trying to bring together these two, these two worlds of expertise. And we really hope that um, it's going to be more and more uh, used. The first feedbacks we received are very positive and we hope to, to reach uh, even broader public uh, with our project. But yeah, education is, of course, um, a, big, a big challenge. Um, and especially in these uh, not so sexy topics, let's say, and not so accessible topics, especially. So we try to fill this this uh, this hole of uh, of materials uh, lack, and uh, let's see how it's gonna it's gonna work. Thank you very much. Um, I would like now to to go back one sec to to Ludovica. Uh, something that has already been uh, partially touched upon in uh, in a, in the previous conversation that we had with Elena regarding the top down approach vis a vis the the, the bottom up one. So we spoke about youth, university education. But in a way, their role, uh, of course, is key. But in absence of a collective action, uh, they become sort of almost impactless. So something else is definitely needed. And by something else, of course, we mean definitely the responsibility that the executive, the government uh, have also in, uh, in, uh, in this fight, not only from an operational level, but also from a political one in terms of commitments uh, that has to be renewed at every, uh, every year. So the question is then how can an association like Mafia and Danke then hold its, the government in this case, of course, of Germany, uh, accountable and responsible for, for what they do? Yeah, thank you, Ruggiero. Actually, this is the thing The thing I will look at it from another little other perspective than Helena before. I will really look on the fact on how to reach the government in sense of how to make really legal demands, like to change the legal setting and how to, and this is what really affects them to like how to tackle organized crime better from the, from the legislative side and how there we can have an active role on it. Because as I said before, it's very important to have an impact on society, sensibilization and so on. But at the end, as an association, we really want even to have an impact uh, on the on the legal um, on the legal side that we can like the demands we can do and how we can be part of the political public discourse and how can we be there an actor inside of it and this uh, this is like an involvement that is very important for an association but even very difficult I think that not everyone in the association like not every single member of the association should be like involved in a group creating legal demands or working on legal demands first of all it's very technical it's very complex sometimes um and not and and this should be a thing that inside your association you should decide if you want to leave it in a group of people that want to focus on it and want to speak for in this case for the association and in our case we did like this there was a, there is and was kind of task force of law which made this legal demands, especially in 2022, when the new government in Germany was established. And um, this was very good because with a task force, you can really find, you can really try to work on these complex issues and try to get these legal demands out. Second big uh, issue and second big challenge is the fact that you're not positioning anymore yourself, just Ludovica has this legal demands but you're doing a legal demand for your association. So when you are doing something, you should know that as a task force, you are speaking up for the association. So there should be a discourse and a discussion inside the association if this is the way we want to pursue, because this can, can, can come up as a question as well. Do we really want this as a demand to our government or something else? So this is something then is as where an association has really to talk about it and then go out with the product with the final product speaking in the public and going into the discourse like this united with one view which is not always easy but after this is done you can try to um to enter this discourse um and without going into the detail of every single uh, legal demand which is not possible and not even wanted in this case um, you really have to understand in which setting you are to do a legal demand, uh, it, to make it more practical. You cannot 
make any kind of legal demand in Germany that would fit in Italy because it's a totally different country historically background of his history we don't uh, Germany doesn't have an history of mafia and anti-mafia as in Germany so many as in Italy sorry so many things don't work for example a big legal demand we have as mafia and danke as already Ma Sandro had has pointed out is um connected to 129 of the criminal code in Germany, adding an additional paragraph, just focusing on uh, making um, on making criminally responsible and criminally liable just the membership to an uh, organ to a mafia organization. Secondly, non-conviction-based confiscation, which is very important for us. Right now in Germany, there's not really non-conviction-based confiscation uh, it's connected still to criminal proceedings. You don't need a criminal conviction, but it's still connected inside the criminal proceedings. We would like a non-conviction-based confiscation outside of criminal proceedings, like in Italy, administrative way. In other countries like UK, it's in a civil way. These are our demands. You cannot demand in Germany a provision, a legal demand like 41 bis carcere duro for... Uh, Italian for um, to, uh, to, uh, Italian mafia organized members because this would not fit the cultural legal background of the state. So when you are going to talk with the government and make legal uh, legal arguments or legal demands, you really have to know where your setting is and where you come from. This is my last point of this. Uh, you can uh, go and check out our um, brochure we published. Uh, for tackling organized crime and money laundering in Germany. Um, it's on our website as well. And now I, go, I give the floor to Helena. Yes, indeed, Helena, back uh, back to you. And I would like to introduce your um, your last contribution. By the way, we, are, we still have 20-ish uh, minutes to go, just for you to know. Uh, I would say we are perfectly on time. After your contribution, we're just going to open for questions in case that there is none. I have already a couple. Uh, so, Elena, uh, I would like to introduce your last contribution with the question, actually, that Anna Sergi asked, by the way, I, Anna, um, which is indeed particularly on point. And also, I believe that this can really give you also good assets to elaborate more on the identity of the movement as such, and also elaborate on the threats that phenomena like racism, xenophobia, to name a few, uh, pose to, to your identity. So the question I'm going to read it out is how, by Anna Sergi, uh, how do you face the risk of ethnicity bias, uh, essentially in trying to promote awareness against mafias and then Drangheta specifically? Don't you risk to fuel discrimination against migrant groups more generally as a risk that has been all too real elsewhere and doesn't help any fight? Over to you. Yes, thank you so much. Um, I think it's a beautiful question. And it's a matter that's very close to my heart and I think to all of our hearts. Um, because, of course, we're a community of German Italians and there are some uh, broad assumptions that we have to deal with that are really dangerous, such as there is no mafia, there is no corruption in Germany and all Italians are somehow mafia related, you know. Um, so we have to, um, we are actually, we hold this beautiful space, I think, where we can have these discussions coming from different cultural backgrounds um, and also find our stance in this in this problematic discourse because the situation in Germany is um, there's various issues with it but um, one of them is the discourse the political discourse that we have in Germany is very law and order focused which um, primarily is not a problem per se because we also work on these topics we also want well-educated police officers and prosecutors and we also want more funding for institutions and we want to change criminal codes we want more um more transnational um networks um that are dealing with these types of questions however <laughs> there's um there's a really important part that's missing in the discussion and we have a problem that even progressive um policymakers politicians um are using racist discourse or anti-migration discourse are instrumentalizing the fight against mafias in a way um that is definitely racist or or xenophobic and so we we had to ask ourselves uh, this question and uh, we have discussed it at length and um, of course, by law, we have to be um, neutral in terms of party politics um, because we're we're an association, um, and we have cooperated in our history with um, politicians, policymakers from different parties, from different movements. However, that doesn't mean that we can't take a clear stance on these uh, types of questions. And um, for us, 
um, it's really important um, that we don't um, that we talk about the crimes first and not uh, about ethnic char characteristics that we don't place them at the center of, of the discussion because there is no such thing as a clan liability in Germany. Also, there's um, this very um, like in legal terms, but also there's this um, very racist discourse uh, talking about the uh, mostly Arab clans, so-called clans. We don't use that terminology at all because it has a very problematic history. And we have also published um, an essay about why that is the case on our homepage. Um, yes, but um, of course, um, it has to be the basis of our work has to be not all Italians are mafia and um, not all people um, belonging to one specific ethnic group have certain characteristics that in itself is problematic. Um, but also we're um, maybe an important argument to make um, in this discussion is that fighting against mafias, it's not only the fight, the dismantling of a criminal organization, it's also a fight for something. So we want to propose um, a political or a society model um, that offers an alternative to what um, mafias are stand for basically so everything they're trying to dismantle we try to stand for so that means that we frame the anti-mafia fight as a human rights issue because your human rights are systematically violated by mafia groups and we also think that the anti-mafia fight is a feminist issue because um, mafia structures are based on patriarchal structures they stand they um, combat diversity in all different senses and also very brutally and um, we also think about the anti-mafia fight as an ecological question. I've already uh, touched upon this before. Um, but of course, mafia organizations worldwide illegally deforest, uh, dispose of toxic waste in nature, panhandle food, um, et cetera, et cetera, um, are destroying um, the basis of, of our living condition. But also above all, maybe because I've already said we frame um, organized crime as a system of injustice that undermines democracy and social equality. Therefore, we think the anti-mafia fight is also crucial in um, tackling the social question. And that is uh, for various reasons, as you all probably know, listening that um, mafias create unfair elections uh, by corrupting officials um, they make trade unfair by not playing by the rules. They create a system of favors instead of um, enhancing the social state, which is something we care about. So um, we are for free and fair competition. We are um, for the right to housing for all against discrimination of any kind. Um, we are for differentiated solutions. I, th I think this talk is a perfect example for that uh, instead of easy answers. Um, and I think um, those are the reasons why anti-mafia is a cross-cutting issue that should become relevant in all kinds of political discussions. Because, um, as you know, we will not, for example, um, be able to uh, tackle the climate crisis if we don't talk about mafias, for example, investing in renewables, etc. And we will not have, maybe more importantly, even um, peaceful democracies worldwide, um, as long as we have mafias meddling with election campaigns, for example. Um, yeah, so... Um, one important motto of the anti-mafia movement worldwide is follow the money. That is very important to us, of course, um, in this context, um, because that is um, the basis of mafia's existence. Um, however, we really want, if we want the whole society to adapt um, the anti-mafia mindset, it's really crucial that we also sometimes move beyond the financial and the law and order mentality and fo focus also on the ethical basis and the history of the anti-mafia fight, um, where Italian history especially um, becomes really relevant for us, which has always been feminist, socialist, ecological, and definitely anti-fascist. Um, as we know that special groups and mafia groups have always cooperated also. And that is really important to us and hopefully will always stay that way. So I hope that answered the question a little. Thank you very much. Sandro, do you want to add anything? Yeah, just a, just a small thing. Like, um, of course, uh, Italian mafia activities are always seen as uh, carried out by Italian people. And mostly that's the fact, even if foreigners can become members in, in certain groups. But what is... Uh, obvious also on a level of facts here in Germany is that all these activities that are carried out always are rely the people are always relying also on German people or on an environment with people of other nationalities so also from this point of view it's it's almost impossible to discriminate because if if you describe what's happening, what's happening, um, it, like if, if, you, if you're describing the facts, then it can't be discriminatory because um, you you see that it's not only Italians doing this. And 
Also, one point that is always very important for Mafia 9, Danke right from its beginning, is that we are doing anti-mafia also in order to bring this part of Italian culture, this part of um, political points of view in Italy here to Germany, in order also to have like a counterbalance to, to discrimination. All right. So this was it in terms of contribution. I would now, we are 10 minutes, we still have 10 minutes till the end of our of our session. Uh, unless there is anything uh, in particular that our speakers want to add to this uh, discussion, um anything julia ludovica in particular no but there's been another comment by by anna, which anna is yes which is out. in fact very very much related to to the discussion that we are that we are having so anna says that in fact current ways uh, of charging andrangheta uh members is by charging them of belonging to a foreign criminal organization to which defense lawyers quite rightfully she adds argue that foreign means uh racist and uh yeah i think this has also been already uh sort of a passionate discuss it was in fact a following a follow-up uh comment if I may, I wanted to to add something to this discussion. In our recent, uh, in our last edition of the OC Index, the 2023 Index, uh, the the if you go to the to the German uh, profile, uh, the Germany profile in the criminal actor section, you're going to see that actually foreign actors is the uh, category with the highest score at seven seven out of ten, followed by criminal networks at six point fifty, then uh, private sector, and then mafia state groups. But then my question to you would be. How how foreign are these organized crime groups? Meaning, following a little bit also the history of, of, of immigration into Germany. Now, often we end up talking about people that are very likely or even born in Germany and that embrace also the German culture and, and they are part of both probably society and if if in the, the best case scenario, meaning that it might be also that we tend to associate in the public debate, but also probably uh, in, the, in court cases as well, Italians with Italian name and surname, but at the end of the day are Germans in the way because it's German. German is the, is the language that they have learned in school and, and so on and so forth, because they have German friends and so on and so forth. So how do you distinguish, besides, of course, what's been decided in courts, how they are treated by, by judges, to your understanding, and also to that, it's also related not only to Italian mafia, but also to other foreign actors, because, of course, Germany also is an history. To that seven points out of ten, of course, it's not only about Italians. Uh, there is, of course, Turkish, Turkish criminal networks. There is, of course, Western Balkan criminal networks that are rather active in specific areas. But are we really talking about foreign actors? Or are we talking about second, third generation foreign May I answer? Well, um, the question you are asking is very interesting because, uh, like, uh, for, for two things. One is, like, in 2018, there has been a huge police operation against the clan Farao, which in Germany is purely perceived as an Italian clan, Drangheta clan. But if you look at the police report, which is from back from 2008, so 10 years before, there um, they are extensively like described. And the interesting thing is that if you count the numbers, the, in, in this report is given that the Farao clan back then had 200 members, something like that. And 65 of them were either based in Germany or had kind of a, a strong relationship with Germany. So this makes you understand that already back then, what we were perceiving as Italian organized crime is not that much Italian organized crime. And especially if you look at these Farao guys. Some of them were born in Germany, they grew up here, and some of them are second generation or third generation. So that makes it also very complicated because if we understand Italian organized crime as like the, the classical mafia crimes that you know, like extortion and stuff like that, you will lose trace of this people because in Italy they are not on the screen anymore because second generation maybe still is third generation is not anymore in Germany we don't persecute them as member of a criminal organization despite the fact that they are so this causes a huge problem and I think the only solution is that we analyze and um, much more like structures of organized crime and that we intensify law enforcement activities against organized crime in order to understand what is happening here because if you have like mafia murderers then it's pretty easy to understand who was taking part who knew about and who was organizing it and everything 
if you have like investments by Italian organized crime groups in also legal activities, then it gets very much complicated to understand what is criminal and what is not criminal. At least if you have like a pure picture of or a, a deep picture of, of everything. Thank you, Sandro. Anybody else on this? Because otherwise I would go for another question for Ludovica. But of course, after, I mean, in case you have a contribution. And actually we have a, we have a question in the, in the, in the, in the, in the chat. Um, so good evening by Federico Pagani. Um, yeah. So as an association that has already been created and is active on multiple projects, but still isn't very well known on a regional national level, especially by the average citizen, which approach pays off more? Is it better to get involved in multiple fields and diversificate in terms of topics uh, treated, project and sector of society reach with uh, our social anti-mafia activities, or is it better to focus on just one issue, social fight slash action, and create a stronger a strongest narration and recognizability of our association with it and uh, is a representative of, uh, from the organization Basta who wants to answer to this question so what to do is it better to focus on one topic and just go with it or try to be as broad as possible this has been already sort of like also I can try to answer even if there is no answer actually because I think it depends yeah. a lot on the context and on especially yeah. on the expertise that the association can put in place because uh, this is of course always an open question that uh, has to be addressed individually. Um, in our case I think that we don't have always uh, such a good strategy uh, because we have a lot of different people that bring different expertise and that bring different interests um, to the association and this is of course um, by one side very good because we always are full of ideas and things that we would like to do but it's not always uh, so effective because sometimes of course some projects start and then end up on a deadline because uh, energies run out and maybe the person that was leading that uh, specific project then um change his mind or the change of lives uh, as happens in involuntary um, engagement situation. Um, so the, the, the question, I think it's especially which competencies can the team uh, bring together? And of course, if there is one specific um, expertise, one, one main competence, it's, it's good to invest on it. In our case, it was, for example, clear that the team in Köln, in Cologne, um, has a specific expertise in, in law because they are all students studying law with this uh, bilingual and uh, binational uh, study group. And then we had other experts that have had a lot of experience. And then we brought this together and tried to create a group that works on this topic. Um, and the same happened with, with other uh, fields, but um, yeah, it's probably difficult to uh, to, see, to to decide on a on a general level. But I think yes, it's important to especially create subgroups uh, that can work together on on certain topics. If I can add directly something to this, like I'm totally, I totally agree with, with what Julia said said. And the other thing is, first of all, think about the aim you have. Like, what is your purpose out of this? What can you get out of it? If you think, okay, with multiple things, I can get a brighter network, maybe not doing like big, big, uh, big events or big topics, but a brighter network. And I want this and I have the resources to go in different fields and evolve something there and make sense, then do it. But it really, I think that before starting on, say, on saying like, what should I do? You should think of, what should what do i want out of it as as they as as, a, as an association and then start to structure your program and your your um, your like what how you want to organize yourself and your actions thank you very much everybody it was extremely interesting we are about to close i would like to thank uh sandro julia elena and ludovica this was uh, amazing it went super smooth i really appreciate also the the respect for for the time uh again please visit mafia9duncan.de uh attend the webinar if you speak italian or german if you don't learn it either or and attend the meeting and uh and all the best 